Thank you. Hi, everybody. Well, some of us figured it out. Thank you. If you don't have something to write with and write on, please go get it now because we're going to do a couple of things like that. Um, for those of you who have, for those of you who already have your writing implements, I just want to share a quick encounter I had at the grocery store. I usually go the same time, uh, even before there was a uh, quarantine or whatever they're calling it now. Um, and a lot of times I would see the same clerks. And so this week when I went, last Tuesday, um, I was in line and waiting, and they, they sent me to a specific line because they don't want anybody to get close to anybody else. So on my way out, after I had purchased all the stuff and had it in my cart, I went by one of the regular um, checkout uh, clerks. And she saw me, smiled and waved, because we've talked, and I've prayed with her a time or two. She actually stopped what she was doing, left her cash register, and came to the end of her <clears throat> her little uh uh, where, where all the groceries connect and they bag them and said, how are you doing? Is everything okay? Is your family all right? And just, you know, we shared for like 30 seconds or something. And it was really just a delightful thing. And it struck me how much of an impact we can have on people and people have on us that we maybe don't realize that she would stop her work to come and talk to me. I just thought that was an amazing thing to do. <clears throat> And I guess it's kind of interesting. If you pray for somebody and God shows up, they tend to like you more. So just a thought. Hopefully most everybody is back now with their um, implements to write with and write on. So to start today, here's the question I'd like you to answer first. And we've got about four of them today. How would you define peace? What is it? look like? What does it feel like to you? Take a, take a minute or two and write down what or how would you define peace? I feel like I should have some music or something playing right now while you're trying to write. It looks like some of you at least have stopped writing. Um, you can continue this after the service, but how would you define peace? I've been asking people this for a couple of weeks, different people, you know, in our church community, outside of our church community. And I, and I found that peace is often defined as a lack of something. God, I just want to ask you right now by the power of your spirit that as we start this sir, uh, this little talk that your Holy Spirit would bring alive something in each man, woman, and child that's hearing this, that you'd get us a little further along in our relationship and connection with you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here and making this real to us. Peace is often defined as a lack of something. 
People say, for instance, I feel peace when things are not chaotic around me. Another answer I heard numerous times was peace is when the busyness of life is not so demanding. Dictionary.com defines peace in a similar way. It's a freedom from disturbance or a time when there is no war. Now, Moody's Bible Institute, Today for the Word, had this this little piece of information. Since the beginning of recorded history, the entire world has been at peace less than 8% of the time. In its study, they discovered that in the approximately 3,600 years of recorded history, only 286 years saw world peace. In addition, over 8,000 peace treaties were made and broken. If our definition of peace is simply a decrease in chaos or disturbance or the absence of war, then most of us, most of the time, and most people throughout history rarely experience peace. Second question. The first one you remember was, how do you define peace? Here's the second question. Take a minute or two to answer it. What would you like your definition of peace to be? If there was no restrictions, no limitations, if you could say the word peace and it would happen for you, what would you like your definition of peace to be? Take a minute to write it down. I encourage you to get greedy. Peace from God is extravagantly more than just a break from the stress of living life. The Greek word the the Bible uses has a very, very positive meaning. The New Testament biblical meaning of peace includes the concepts of completeness, success, fulfillment, wholeness, harmony, security, and well-being. I just want to read that again. The the Greek word the Bible uses for peace has a really positive concept, including completeness, success, fulfillment, wholeness, harmony, security, and well-being. I want that. We want it. Amen? John 14, 27. 
turn to it, click on it, open your Bible to it. John 14, 27. And take a second to do that because we're going to spend about the next couple of minutes in that verse. John 14, 27. It says this, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. There are three significant parts to this wonderful promise, straight from Jesus to you. And I think the first thing, even before I get to those parts, is that you get, this is Jesus speaking to you and me. This isn't some hypothetical out there, super spiritual kind of uh, person while he's talking to the Apostle Paul or something. He's speaking to you and me. And he's got three pieces of this. The first piece, John 14, 27, the first line, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Jesus promises every single person that even though he left earth to be at the right hand of the Father, he was leaving a gift, and the gift is called peace. And not just any kind of peace, his peace. Don't miss that. I, I, I don't know how many times I've read this. I've memorized this verse. But he said, my peace I give you. Jesus promised you and me that he gives us the same peace as he experienced. Is that crazy, wild, fabulous, amazing, hard to believe? Jesus said, my peace I give you. By any definition, the peace that Jesus enjoyed is going to be the best peace ever. Like on a scale of 1 to 10, that's 10 plus. Jesus said, I'm giving you my peace. The second part, I do not give to you as the world gives. We would be wise to not allow the world system to define or diminish God's intention for our peace experience. The world says the peace, that peace is just less stress. Oh, come on. We can do better. We would be wise to not let the world system define the kind of peace God desires to give us. Less stress is just not good enough for God's kids. And God's kids said, amen. I firmly believe every one of us needs an upgrade of our definition of what our peace experience can be. So here's the next question. What would you like your new definition of peace to be? What would you like your new definition of peace to be? Now, remember, the New Testament biblical meaning for peace includes the concepts of completeness, success, fulfillment, wholeness, harmony, security, and well-being. Take a minute and write down what your new definition 
of peace you would like it to be. Dream big. I want to encourage you that this isn't done just because we stop right now. This is an ongoing process. What you've written in front of you right now is very likely not the final definition for you. It's a start. Make some time this week with God to talk more about your definition of peace. Talk to your spiritual advisor about it. Talk to friends that you trust and maybe people who are a little further along in their walk with Jesus but craft a definition of peace worthy of a child of the king. The last part, John 14, 27, the last phrase, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. It's this phrase where most Christians lose focus in their pursuit of peace. Now, Jesus has promised to leave us his peace, a peace that is radically different from the world's definition. And then Jesus adds this directive, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The peace that Jesus gives us is not the absence of trouble or difficulty. His peace is based on the confidence, the certainty that he is always with you. It isn't about what's going on outside. It's that he is always with you. He's always there, no matter what the problem, no matter what the issue or the challenge The presence of Jesus always restores peace. And here's the thing I want you to try to remember if you don't remember anything else about today. The presence of Jesus always restores peace. Say that together with me, even as we're separated. The presence of Jesus always restores peace. Say it again. The presence of Jesus always restores peace. But I've got a little more time, so I'm going to share a little bit more with you. But that's what I hope you take with you. So how do we do that? Jesus gives you and me the responsibility of not allowing our hearts to be troubled and fearful. He will help us for sure. I mean, the Holy Spirit lives in us to help us. God gives us grace, but we make the choice, troubled and fearful hearts or God's peace. We get to pick. Okay, next question. You ready to write again? How do you keep your heart free from trouble and fear? If we're supposed to do that, what are you doing to keep your heart free from trouble and fear. Take a minute, write some thoughts down.
this question, like the others, will probably, if you pursue it, will probably be a developing um, answer rather than I've got it all figured out now. Here's a few verses that can point us away from trouble and fear and toward Jesus' presence and peace. Romans 14, 17. Write it down. You can look it up later if you can find it now. By all means, read along. Romans 14, 17. It says this, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, <coughs> excuse me, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Let me try that again, see if I can get it all together. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And too often, when we as Christians decide to make a life change, we develop a list of things to do and guidelines to follow. But remember, the presence of Jesus always restores peace. I'm not saying to avoid making a list. I suggest a critical first step is the one we often forget when trying to bring about change. (coughs) Sorry. The presence of Jesus is the key. The presence of Jesus always restores peace. The kingdom of God is not about rules, lists, and strategies. They may help, they may hinder. But the kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and joy. Those things only come from the power of Holy Spirit and our relational connection with Jesus, being in his presence. So rather than give you a question about a list of things to do to eliminate stress and find peace, I want to give you this question. What will you do to connect with Jesus in the next month? What will you do to connect with Jesus in the next month? Again, these are questions that are a process, not just a simple one-word answer and we're all done. How do we get there? There's a lot in the Bible that talks about this subject of connecting with Jesus. But living in God's peace comes down to three issues. And this is what I'm going to end with the next five or ten minutes. There are three issues that come down to whether we're going to live in God's peace or we're going to live in the world system that they call peace. Turn to Philippians. If you haven't memorized this, I suggest it's a really worthwhile thing to memorize. Philippians 4, 8, and 9. 
Actually, I encourage you to memorize Philippians 4, 4 through 9, but we'll just talk about 8 and 9 right now. Philippians 4, 8 and 9. Paul's been talking to the Philippian church, and he gets down to this part right at the end, and he says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. Whatever you have learned and received and heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. The first issue, the first thing to consider as you're looking to change to live a life of peace is what do you think about? If your thinking doesn't agree with what's listed in verse 8, you would be wise to change your thinking. A lot of the stuff we get to think about comes from news, because we most of us are watching more news than we have before. It comes from social media. It comes from a lot of sources that don't produce Philippians 4.8 qualities. But what's the end of Philippians 4, 8 say? If we do this, the God of peace will be with us. Grace earlier talked about renewing her mind, taking every thought captive in her testimony. And that's what this is about. Am I going to think about kingdom God stuff? Good, honorable, pure, lovely, excellent, worthy of praise. Am I thinking about that kind of stuff? Or am I thinking about the stuff that the world pumps into our brains if we let it? If your thinking doesn't agree with whatever is listed in verse 8, you would be wise to change your thinking. Second thing, are you going to do what you know to do? Put the right and biblical thinking into practice. Do I actually think about this stuff or do I just say, yep, I should be thinking about those things that are excellent and all that. Do you actually think about it? Do you turn off the news when it just starts going bad? Do we discontinue social media when it is pumping all kinds of negative things into us? God promises that if you do these two things, the God who is peace will be with you. And the presence of Jesus empowers us to live in biblical peace. Isaiah 26.3. This was the first verse I memorized out of Isaiah. I've memorized a fair number of them now, but this was the first one. Because when I started walking with God, I didn't have peace. Isaiah 26, 3. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Now, Isaiah is having a dialogue with God right there. So I'm going to say it again just to make it a little clearer because it's the middle of a dialogue. You, God will keep in perfect peace me when my mind is unshakable because I trust in you. The third issue we have to deal with, first of all, what do you think about? Second of all, are you going to do what you know to do? 
The third one, and this is probably the biggest one, who do you trust? Now, we're having church. The church answers to say you trust in God. But what is your actual day-to-day life answer? When things come, you have a choice between what the world is telling you and what God says to think on. Who do you trust? When a problem or an issue or an uncertainty comes up, do you deal with it the way everybody else does? Or do you come back and look at God's provision for it? Who do you trust? Who do you trust when issues, problems, setbacks, bad news arrive? Do you trust your logic and your ability to figure it out? Do you trust some expert? Do you trust science or economics? Do you trust yourself and your ability to figure it out? God promises perfect peace to every person who trusts in him. I know for me, when I start to have a decrease in my peace, it comes because I'm starting to try to trust me more than what God says to do. God, I got to think about this problem more. And he says, no, cast all your cares on me because I care for you. No, but God, I got to figure this thing out. No, my starting place is to give it to you. And then we together are going to figure this out. Your presence with me puts me in a different place to start addressing the issues of life. What do you think about, are you going to do what you know to do? And who do you trust? During the war, it's a little illustration. I liked it. Hope you do. During the war, a train carrying information and orders to headquarters traveled over 60 miles of very difficult track. The engineer carried the information and orders. His wife and his child were in the coach. And it seemed like every moment threatened to pitch the train over an embankment or off of a bridge. As it rolled back and forward side to side on the track, almost taking the air sometimes, rushing past stations, The few people inside the cars held their breath, cried out, tried to pray as this train just sped along. But there was one person on the train who was not afraid, the child of the engineer. Completely happy, she laughed out loud when asked why was she not afraid, and she responded, I'm not afraid because my daddy's the engineer. Who is the engineer of your weekly train trip through life? Peace, God's peace, is that place of assurance, trust, and rest that comes from knowing that Jesus, who is peace, is present and active in our life. To close, I just want to speak a blessing over you about this whole peace thing. I speak a blessing to your spirit to hear and receive God's promise. Peace, I leave you. Peace, I give you. Peace, 
I bless you. I bless you with the peace that can only come from a relationship style of connection and communication with Jesus. I agree with God's word that you are protected in your mind and heart from stress and fear. You have a solution for it. You are released as a child of God to bring the peace that is everywhere in heaven to rule in your heart, in your mind, and in your life. And that it will rule in that area around you, even as it rules in your heart. I declare these truths over each one of you in Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you this week with a whole lot of peace. His peace that goes beyond understanding. Amen.